everyone loves footy again. That's just the simple answer to all of round two's action. Everyone that is except for the punters. The tipsters, the tipsters love footy. People are tipping seven and eights and nines and they're, they're loving it. But if you're trying to get tricky with it, trying to go hunt the value, trying to hit the lines, and that's when things get a little bit harder as we experienced ourselves. But here to break bread, to commiserate, to uh, share, share a drink in the loser's lounge, is the people's coach and myself. Big Bustling Baz, how are you doing on this fine Tuesday evening? I'm good, mate. Very well. Uh, yeah, tipping has been uh, a bit tough the last two weeks. Um, obviously, round one with a few upsets. And then I suppose you'd say a few upsets last week. Obviously, Carlton, uh, they did start favourites. And yeah, we tipped, uh, oh, I tipped West Coast and they probably choked a bit. And then St Kilda let us down as well. But there you go. That's 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 the joys of it. That's the joys of football. The joys of round two. You you have a sample size of one to make decisions off, and lo and behold, they don't always stack up. So, who would have thought that? But we've got another sample size now, so it's out to two. N equals two bads. We have trends now. We have trends. How exciting! Starting today, you will play like winners, act like winners, and most importantly, you will be winners. But before we get to that. We're under the pump always here to you know perform, to give out the best bets, to to you know give the listeners what they want. And someone who was under the pump on the weekend, Baz, was uh, Chris Scott. He gets under the pump very easily, in my personal opinion. And uh, now that you're sharing, uh, well, the bottom half of his hairdo with a nice thick beard, I have a question for you as the people's coach, and that is: Should we hold coaches to a higher standard than players? Yeah, we should. And I, I mean, I've been caught out a few times, as you know. I've been. Uh complained about or reported a couple of times for uh, abusing umpires as a coach, which isn't ideal. Um, I haven't been in that much trouble with cricket, but I've been warned a few times with cricket as a captain as well. I think when you're a captain and you're a coach, definitely one thing I've learned over the probably last, or definitely my last year of coaching and, and going into this year is that you definitely need to be calm and uh, a lot not, don't need to be going over the top like that because it's not as you set a bad example for others, but it puts your players on edge a bit sometimes as well. Um, and it can backfire because if they see you agitated or angry or um, nervous or any of those sorts of uh, emotions, then they tend to follow that as well. So especially you know, when you're playing bigger games, if the coach is nervous and there's nervous, you know, the nerves generally throw through, flow through the group as well. If you're positive and you're having a bit of a joke and stuff, it tends to you know, relax the mood a bit. So I think we need to be a higher standard. We need to set the example. And yeah, look, I, I haven't been, I've never actually uh, walked out and abused opposition players in footy uh, as a head coach. I've done it as, as a player in cricket and in, as a player in football, but never as a head coach. And it's probably something I try and steer clear of doing because uh, I don't think it looks good. And it's not good for the game either. As, as funny as it can be, um, yeah, I think I'd, I'd definitely take a Luke, Luke Beveridge sort of approach to that and um, try and keep myself away from anything of that like that so I don't get myself in that sort of situation. I think Nick Rewalt made the comments last night saying, actually, he he understands that it's not great in terms of the look of the game. It's not great for, you know, telling grassroots coaches how to behave, et cetera, et cetera. But he said it was always good that, like, if you had a message as a coach and you said, you know, before the game, boys need to make sure we're all making sure we're firing, and the coach goes out and does something like that, then it's it shows it to the players the coach is in there with you in the trenches. Do you think that's necessary these days? Or can players are the players smart enough to realise that the coach isn't in there with, the, in, with them in the trenches because he sits in the box and they go out in the field? I don't reckon you need to do it these days as a coach. And I think if you look after, like they dominate that first quarter drill. I mean, after quarter time, is a little bust up. They really, they didn't really have the same, I don't think they played the same sort of desire. And I, I reckon, especially after half time, uh, Brisbane were the better team. They just didn't make, make it count really. And they, I mean, you can look at a few umpiring decisions throughout the game and a few decisions that Brisbane made as well. But yeah, I don't, I don't reckon you need to do that as a coach to get the players on side. The players know who you are. It's quite funny. I was actually listening to a webinar with, um, and Chris Scott was on it about game day coaching. And he actually spoke about not getting too emotional and over the top on game day because it can affect your players and it has, a, has an adverse effect. So, um, yeah, maybe he needs to go back a couple of weeks to when he did that webinar for the AFL coaches. Do what I say, not as what I do. And that's uh, very, <laughs> true of, very true of Chris Scott. 
It's very, yeah, very interesting. It's always interesting how the media approaches this as well because we've had in the one one episode of like First Crack, I think it was, I heard that David King's not only called Chris Scott out for being disgusting and not showing enough role modelship and, you know, all those things we've just been talking about, but then did the flip side and said that Chris Fagan was too timid and too calm and didn't show enough like gusto or brashness and that's why the Lions play quote-unquote like soft football so I just find it very hard for, if you're a coach in this environment, the modern day, you can't really get it right, in my personal opinion. But I just I found it funny that the uh, modern day rivalry between Barrett and Robbo, um, or Slobo, sorry, um, how both of them had either side of the story. So one was more more Geelong uh, positive, and the other one was more Brisbane positive in the way that the story was told. It was all one was like, oh yeah, it was all, Brisbane were fine. It was all Geelong's fault and vice versa. So I found that pretty funny given the the words those two have been having lately, which is just added to it as well, I think. Mm, nice little nice little battleground for everyone to have their little tete-a-tete. So that's what footy's all about a little bit, is it? All the narratives, all the little, little nitty-gritties we see on the side. All right. But we will get on to what we do best, which is analysis, facts, and uh, telling you who to buy into and who to sell up on. So off to the what are the odds stock exchange, Baz. And you sold a team last week. Who are you selling this week? I'm definitely selling JWS. They're gone. You did warn them. You did say they had one more chance and their chances are up. Yeah, look, I, how they didn't beat Fremantle with the team that Fremantle had, they had that many players out Fremantle. They'll, and, and, you know, I know Fife went down late, but he didn't have a massive effect on the game and, I think the only out I could give him, and it hurts me to say this because Slobo came up with it and um, it's probably the first bit of sense he's ever made in, ever, I think, um, was it maybe St Kilda because St Kilda did drop off a bit in their game that maybe St Kilda and JWS after a hard slog last week in the wet um, just didn't pull up that well with their travel because obviously St Kilda travelled back to Melbourne and, and JWS had to travel to Perth. But, you know, honestly, like, they were very, very ordinary JWS. And I go back to like that uh, Make Your Mark uh, documentary and you saw the way that Leon Cameron spoke to his players you know, individually in front of the group and stuff like that, which I know um, doesn't go down that well with playing with players and in the players' group. You have to be a certain type of player to be able to handle that. Um, and I, I felt he put a lot of pressure on on Cogs as well throughout that, that doco. So if... if if the doco betrays what's going on at GWS and you can kind of see why they're not playing that well, if they don't win this week, I reckon Cameron could be gone before round 12. I don't see how you can retain Cameron in that side if the players have clearly bailed him. He got extended at the end of last year, though. He's got another year after this. So, But I know they've lost some some talent, but why are they losing all these talented players? And, yeah, they're getting young, you know, good first-round top-end picks in, but they need, to, they need time to develop. But... And they're not playing. Like Tom um, Green's not playing. Green didn't play on the weekend. Good inside, tough in, inside midfield. Didn't play. And you still got heaps of talent. That, you know, you got still got Cogs. You know, uh, Cali and the likes. Like there's still enough talent on that list to be winning, to be beating Fremantle. Like, and they were three. Oh, they were two or three goals up against St Kilda late and still lost. Like, yeah, I don't know. We used to see how they go this week because I, I have serious doubts on. Uh, yeah, Cameron staying and turning it around at the moment and. Maybe they need to yeah, freshen up the place a bit. It has been, it has been there a while. Well, it's been there since yeah. inception. Yeah. Well, yeah well, Not as head coach, but as since yeah. inception. And it, I mean, to be fair, they have been pretty successful. They made two prelims, they made a grand final. Maybe it's time their list just gets turned over and they start again. But there's still enough talent on that list for them to be pushing for the eight, not the bottom four. Absolutely. It does yeah, raise a question around... Um, Development and development coaches. So obviously this year was the year we had the soft cap reduced. And as you said, there's lots of top-end talent there, but lots of young top-end talent at the moment because it seems to be the trend that you come in as a draft pick, you get developed to GWS, and you get shipped off to get your paycheck somewhere else. Have we underestimated the importance of development coaches in the AFL, given there is no intermediate competition between under-18s and, and the AFL? Probably, and they've lost a few coaches this year as well. Mm. Know, lost on the Hayes and a couple others. So, look, I, I, I'd, I'd be having a look at their culture because while Coniglio stayed long term, Kelly stayed long term, they're paying them good money to stay. Has that cost them, you know, a Jeremy Cameron or some others, or 
is there things going on in that club that they keep losing these players? They don't want to stay and, and be successful at this club. So I think that's around that. And yeah, obviously they've always had top end talent. They've always had a first round pick, but how many of those are actually turning out to be good players? I mean, not many are staying around because they lost Joe Corwell, they lost others to other clubs. So what's going on with that? And, you know, it goes back to Chalor and, and uh, even Taylor Adams and those sorts of players. They were all originally at GWS, but they didn't hang around. So, you know, and, that, and we gave up two first round picks for Chalor. So, where are they? I mean, I could, they're probably playing. I didn't actually do any research on that, but I'm just like off the top of my head thinking about that sort of stuff. So, they've lost top end talent, but they've always been replenishing. So, those players should be stepping up now and playing good football. But yeah. I think, yeah, I just think there's something going on there. I mean, Gold Coast had to start again, but Gold Coast didn't have any success. At least JWS have had some success for years, but maybe it's just time for them to, you know, re- refresh the uh, environment a little bit. Yeah, hard to disagree there. The team I'm selling up on, Baz, is, is Carlton. And we shouldn't have got sucked in. Well, we personally didn't get sucked into Carlton, although we did tip them last week. So that was more you with the Moles tip, and I did call you out, and you did definitely pick the Moz because you knew that the Pies were going to win. You were quietly confident. You didn't want to Moz them, so you tipped the other side. Well done to you. You did your club proud. But, Baz, that was a bloody poor performance from Carlton. Two weeks in a row now, they have served, served that up, and they are now the leading inside 50 conceding team in the competition. They concede more inside 50s than North. They concede more inside 50s than Adelaide, two teams that are definitely going to end up at the bottom of the ladder. And more surprisingly is the issue that they actually can't do anything when they even have the ball in hand. So shout out to Richard Little on Twitter. If you don't follow him, you're not doing yourself justice. But he was tracking the D1, D2 set disposals. What that means is basically you take a mark or you get a free kick in your back half. Where's the ball go? And what happens when you when you when you kick it or you handball it? Carlton only retains the ball from their back half if they handball. If they try and kick long and hit a target, they turn it over. They were 50% turnovers from long kicks on the weekend against Collingwood. They were pretty much the same against Richmond. They give teams that set up well defensively exactly what they want, loose, free balls going forward. They're not great defensively. They leak transition football, and they're terrible with the ball going forward. How did anyone think that this side was going to play finals this year? I actually watched, I only watched the second half, but I actually thought, I, I, look at their midfield. Maybe we've overrated their midfield. Obviously, Cripps is injured. They rely heavily on Welsh, but... There's not a lot, not a lot of depth there, and Pitney isn't. I mean, he's a solid ruckman, but he's not a very good ruckman. Like he's not in the top nine ruckman in the comp or top ten ruckman in the comp. Their four lines very reliant on Harry McKay and Gibbons, and yeah, maybe they're not as. And then they're pretty. They're actually an old list. You think everyone thinks they got a young list, but they're actually an old list. So there's no green shoots here. This is old no, rosebush yeah. stems. Yeah, I, and yeah. I, mean, I know Kingy went went a bit hard on him as well, and there's a few a few comes supposedly were pretty hard on Friday morning on SEN. I, I loved I loved Friday morning on SEN when Kane Corns was on, and just every Carlton supporter was ringing up, just losing their minds. Collingwood supporters doing that week earlier, mind you. But yeah, I just I reckon they're I don't reckon they're making the eight, and I reckon they're actually they go backwards. I, I have some big concerns for Carlton at the moment, and I know they've got their injury concerns, but. Even Kerno, there's no guarantee he's going to come back and play good footy. He hasn't played for two or three years. So you've got a lot of ifs and buts about Carlton. And yeah, obviously that Paddy Dow probably hasn't turned out the way the way that they hoped he would. Stocker isn't playing. They've got a few injuries now. They've lost, you know, Fisher and a few others. So yeah, I um maybe they should have kept Cade Simpson Simpson another year. You would have thought so. He, he would at least kick it to someone and, and hit them on the hands. The next four weeks, they've got Frio, Gold Coast, Power and Lions. Can they sneak a win there to stop themselves from going zero and six? Well, Frio is probably their best chance. They, they, Gold Coast aren't pushovers anymore. No. Nah. Um, and they're no and, chance against Port or Brisbane. No. Nah, and Port will Port flog them. Port, Port are, Unreal at the moment. I want to buy more. We're going to get the buying, and I'm going to buy more. Can I buy more port? You can do whatever you want, mate. It's the, your, your stock market. Yeah, no, yeah, definitely. Because, uh, yeah, I don't reckon, I really don't reckon that, uh, yeah, Carlton are going anywhere. No, I, I, dead set, I can't see him winning another game in the next four to five weeks. 
Well, probably the next one I reckon they win is round seven against the Bombers. And then even then they've got Doggies and Melbourne after that. So they'll get the halfway mark with maybe one or two wins and they could be they could be odds on for the spoon by that stage. And won't that just imagine, blow up SEN? I was going to say, imagine the support if this, just imagine Victoria, if Collingwood and Carlton and Essendon are in the bottom four, just the absolute, or bottom six, five or six of the table even. There's going to be a lot of, uh, the media will love it because they'll be selling lots of papers and lots of clicks, I'll tell you. Absolutely. So you're bullish on Paul. Before we get there, a lot of overreactions still. It's only round two. Who are you holding on to before you make a decision whether or not to buy and sell at the moment, Baz? I'm actually going to hold on to Brisbane at the moment. Lost their first two, got Collingwood this week. Um, obviously, then they play the doggies at Ballarat. So they got two, and obviously, with all the COVID stuff that's going on, um, really should have probably won that game on Friday night against Geelong. Didn't. And I heard on, I heard, I can't remember who it was today talking about this. And I actually agree with him that uh, I reckon they're a bit soft and I reckon they're. Uh, easy picking is to intimidate and get un- into the under like, mentally into them, and I think that's why clubs like Geelong and Richmond have such a good record against them. And Collingwood, you know, Collingwood up until last year, their record was unreal. So it's, it's I reckon, uh, yeah, I reckon they're a bit a bit thin underneath, a bit a bit weak, and I think that can be taken advantage of. And that's again we saw in finals last year and the year before where they they folded um, pretty easily. So. I'm going to hold on them and see where they're at in the next couple of weeks because if they get a, one or two more injuries, they've already got injury to McInerney who might be out. And that's, I mean, that's a ruckman down, which is really important. And especially for them with the way their midfield plays. And yeah, I just reckon that maybe they're not as uh, good as where we thought they'd be. Yeah. And I think Fagan agrees with that at least. And I think they probably agree with that as well. Although the narrative is very different if, the free kicks given and they kick the goal and they and they go one and one. So that's yeah, footy and that's results. But there's other things in that game let that before that happened that led up to that would have won in the game as well. So absolutely, maybe, maybe Zorko didn't throw Salwood to the ground, give away a 50 minute penalty, or someone actually stopped Isaac Smith's run at the stoppage. Who knows? Who knows? It's very true. It's very true. You make your own destiny in football. The team I'm holding on, Baz, is the Bulldogs. You, you were surprised last week I didn't buy into the Bulldogs. I'm still not buying. I'm not buying the hype yet. Yes, they beat West Coast, but they beat West Coast at home. They beat a West Coast that's missing a couple of very decent players. Very good players. Very, very good players. So they did not beat a full-strength West Coast side. They didn't beat them away. So they're the two things I want to see happen first. But also their game style will not stack up come finals. If they make a prelim and have to play Port Adelaide or Richmond, they will get thumped. They are a handball-focused, possession-focused team. It's They are leading the competition in disposals per score and disposals per inside 50. McRae gets 40. McRae gets 40 every game, but he has to to have impact. The teams that are successful, the teams that have the furthest distance per dis- disposal, that's Port Adelaide, that's Richmond, that's Geelong. They don't need the football to kill you. When they get it, they go, they score, and then they defend hard. Doggies need the football all the time to do anything with it, and that's why... Yes, they got into this game, but they had to struggle and scrap and they had to chase and they had to hurry this game. And then you saw how easy it was for the Eagles just to kick mark, kick mark, work their way through. If they were playing against a side that had any defensive intent, and the Eagles aren't renowned for that, and we've seen they've never done that since the 2018 grand final, this would be a very different game. Was it an exciting game to watch? Absolutely. Did it make everyone feel great about footy again? Absolutely. But are these two top four sides? I don't think so. I reckon I was, I was more watching that game. I was more sold on West Coast than I was on the Doggies. Doggies, we, we've seen how they play. We know how they play. They still struggle to kick goals. They still struggle to score from good air. So West Coast pushed them really wide uh, from their scoring shots. I actually had a quick look the other um, during the game. I saw how like where West Coast were forcing the mark and take shots from. That's why they probably missed so many. West Coast, I reckon, still have another gear to go. And they've got players to come back and... If Nick Nat can, like Nick Nat only needs to get one touch a week and not touch the ball. Because if his ruck work is like that at centre bounce, with the three tools they got down there and they get clear, like they get a couple of players back, that centre bounce work, where are we? Like imagine the silver service they're going to get. So I, especially if they play enough games at home, I actually thought West Coast are probably a definite top four team now. Uh, and the Doggies, 
yeah, I, I still want to see, I still want to see Bruce do it consistently. I still want it, you know, their back line's a big worry for mine. And I think they got a bit lucky against the Eagles um, on the weekend. And the week before, again, against Collingwood, they, they dominated the game for a half, but let Collingwood back in it. And if Collingwood probably, you know, took a few marks, it would have been a different story. And then same West Coast. West Coast took a half to get going again. So they weren't flash. They weren't flash against Gold Coast either, West Coast. They weren't um, in the game for the whole game, if you know what I mean. Like they took them probably to midway through the third quarter to really amp it up. And I think they did the same against the Doggies. I reckon they're just, they're one of those teams that um, we've spoken about that, with, only, with such a short preseason and only one uh, preseason game, they've kind of they're going to be peaking around about round eight or nine, which um, has them in good shape, I reckon, going forward. Especially if they get those players back and they they don't get many injuries. Yeah, absolutely. As long as they don't burn too many games at, at home, and I don't think they will. But yeah, you don't want to be hitting your straps at round eight and then only cap out at finishing fifth, which is basically what they did last year. And again, and the, last year's situation was very different. I'm pretty sure that off the top of my head, the doggies are pretty much fully fit and got a full team to select from. So, yeah, this uh, is the best the doggies will play. This yep. is the best the doggies will play. Everyone else has a lot of weight, a lot of gears to go. And then we'll see where the doggies fit in come round 11. But again, it's round two. Overreact. Buy doggy stock if you want. I will not be doing that. But Baz, who are you buying? Obviously, poor Adelaide. Anyone else? Or are you just going to tip it all into the power and then just fast forward to the preliminary final? Uh, I'm still tipping into Port and Richmond, but I, I think I, I do worry a little bit that Port might like they've been so good the last two weeks. I know they haven't played much opposition, but I hope they're not looking to peak too early. And Connor Rose is still to come back in, and this got so much depth, I reckon. And this this whole uh, rule changes at the moment, and the way the game's been played at the moment. Um, Suits them a lot, but I have a feeling that after what Geelong did on Friday night, uh, a few teams might change the way the game looks in the next few weeks. And this is what I said last week that just give the coaches a few more weeks because it's going to become more one on one, more defensive. And I think you'll find uh, while they might have opened up the game a bit more, uh, the wingers are a bit out of the game at the moment. And I've noticed over the weekend the resurgence of the tagger. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens over the next few weeks. Yeah, watch this space because it won't be pretty forever. That just, that's not how footy works. The team I'm buying into, Baz, is Fremantle. They were my hot tip to finish in the top eight. They did what they needed to do. They needed to beat the Giants. Were the Giants poor? Yes, the Giants were poor. But Dockers are missing five. We're missing for most of that game. Walters, Pierce, Hamling and Hill. They're big outs for, for the Fremantle Dockers and their young players stood up and they played exciting footy, yes, against the Giants, who did not play very well. But in the next four weeks, Baz, they face Carlton, Hawthorne, Adelaide and North Melbourne. They could enter round seven at five and one. No. Um, They've they got too many injuries and I, I don't think they're consistent enough. They've got a bloody good midfield. The young midfield's unreal. But I'll, I'm... Their injury front is bad, and Tabernet needs to part that every week for them to be a chance. Because uh, we saw it happening against Melbourne if, when he didn't play well. It was just too easy pickings for the defence. So, look, I, I think some of their ball movement worries me a bit. They still make some silly mistakes. They're definitely on the up, and you know that. You know, I have a big rap on them going forward with Sydney. So, but I reckon you're a bit. Uh, you, you really, you really look at their five and one. I'll buy a Freo jersey and wear it during a live. No, but see, it's okay. That's fine. But if they're they're five and one, you've missed out because, like you said, these are not these are not buy stocks forever. These are buy stocks for now, and I'm buying them now and dumping them after the derby when they get thumped by West Coast. No, you're off your chops, mate. (laughs) Well, I look forward to seeing you in purple. I reckon you look good in purple, mate. Five and one. Here we go. Well, speaking of bets, let's get into our round three preview. It's Easter long weekend, Baz, which it means is. bad football on Good Friday. We'll, we'll leave them to last because they don't deserve too much chat. But there are a few must-watch games. It starts Thursday night, Baz. Collingwood, your boys, are eighty favourites against Brisbane. $2.05 outsiders. The line here, two and a half. Are you nervous, Baz? I am because what happened for... for look, this is what baffles me, right? We beat West Coast... In the in the finals last year, then we rock up against Shalom and we're insipid. But 
round one, we were pretty very ordinary and still somehow managed to stay in the game for as long as we did. Last week was a, like, well, did someone like bring out a different Collingwood team? Like we played totally different football we have for the last two years, put the game on. Yeah, look, we made some silly errors and some, um, you know, skill errors mainly, but going forward, looks so much better. And maybe that was the opposition we're playing against. Who knows? But I'm worried whether we can back it up because how do you change it from round one to round two so quickly? And then can you keep it going or does Buckley make some changes or what, what's going to happen? So I'm a bit, bit miffed and I'm not sure whether I trust us. I, I definitely don't trust us. There's no surety about it. I don't trust Collingwood, so I never will. Um, and does Brisbane coming together and staying down here in, in like a sort of mini hub life, just galvanise them a bit after the week they've had, after the loss they had on, on Friday, and you know, it was good to see Fagan. I know Fagan's more the man manager, and there's a, they've got other assistant coaches that do all the moves and tactics. But it was actually good from Brisbane. I thought on the weekend they looked a bit flat, and they threw Charlie Cameron and, and Mitch Robertson onto the ball, and I reckon it gave them a bit of a spark in that second and third quarter when they did it. it just a, it was a different look, um, but they, they still leaked. They still leaked goals in, in a hurry, Brisbane. So I think against Geelong, John had a couple of times where they kicked three or four goals in a row. Early on, their ball movement was a bit stagnant, a bit like Collingwood was round one. It didn't look like they had got two key fours, but they didn't really look to move the ball that well. They were very slow. You know, the fours didn't have a big impact. Then once Hipwood and Danaher got in the game, they kind of quickened up a bit. Um, but then again, they did have six players as well that played on the weekend that were 19, 20 years old that have all played less than 10 games. So, I mean, for them to be able to take it to Geelong with that, with that, that sort of you know, against them as well. Or it's good. It's a good thing for them. Um, but yeah, I just think again, going back to that, you know, I just I just feel like they're a bit mentally weak. And but when they when they look to bring that surge mentality to bring put the keep the pace on the ball and move the ball quickly and stuff like that in the second half, they really had Geelong on the ropes. And that's gonna be Geelong's little uh, problem going forward. I think. If Darcy Moore and Jeremy Howe have good games, we've got the matchups down back for them in the four line. Our midfield should get enough service from Grundy. Our four, it's whether we can kick a score to match them. And I have a feeling that Brisbane will knock us off. And at two dollars oh five, again, I think he's a pretty good uh, sort of bet. I, I wouldn't be touching this game. I'm probably going to tip Brisbane, but uh, only on the fact I just can't trust Collingwood, even though I'm a Collingwood fan. I just feel like, yeah, it's a bit of a 50-50 toss of a coin at the moment for me. It is. I think on paper, you'd still, again, maybe we have overrated Brisbane. Because I thought on paper, Brisbane looks better. I think they have more talent. But you look at the players that didn't perform on the weekend against Geelong. Neil, Danaher, to an extent, Cameron, Zorko, McCluggage, all had off nights. You, do they kick in? I think it all depends on how well they adapt to the COVID protocol changes. Do they see this as footy camp for two weeks or do they see this as I don't get to see my family for two weeks? Because then that really, I think it's more on what Brisbane brings and what Collingwood brings. Because I think Collingwood can play good football when the pressure's not there. When the pressure comes, I think that's when Buckley changes his game style. And I think, as we said last year, he's too quick to to change and change the teams week to week as opposed to back in a certain style of football. So there's there's that aspect there. And then do you just tag Neil again? Like, do you do you take away their barometer and then just say, Greenwood, go to Neil, let's kill it, let's kill the snake of the head? We, we generally don't tag. So I'm interested to see what he does. I, I, I still think teams will start tagging players now. Like, I mm. said, that's it, and I reckon um, that sort of thing will start happening more and that'll lead to congestion again. But anyway, uh, yeah. I, I just think on paper they're better than us. And like I said, that, those blokes didn't have a any output last week and they lost to Geelong by a point who, who, you know, made the grand final last year and we think it's going to be a top four team. So if, if they have input from those guys this week, they'll, they'll beat us. So, yeah, I, I reckon even though, even though Zorko's messaging was mixed come, uh, was it the day after the game to yesterday, uh, I think that's because they realise now they're staying here for two weeks and they're buying into it. So, and a good opportunity for them. So, yeah, I think, I think they beat us. I'm probably going to tip Brisbane, um, but I wouldn't be surprised if Collingwood won. But I'm tipping Brisbane, and no, yes. there'll be no, there'll be no bet here either. 
no bet. And uh, watch you now put a hundred bucks on Collingwood and quietly enjoy a Collingwood win. And so you should all the angles stack up for Collingwood here. So eight of the last nine matches at Marvel, Collingwood have won. And uh, Collingwood have covered the line against Brisbane in each of its last five night matches. So all the angles here for Collingwood on paper, though, Brisbane stacks up. I'll be dipping into the $2.05 for Brisbane. If they're a top 14, they have to win this. 0-2, you don't manage to make finals. 0-3, basically unheard of. Only one team's done that, and that was Sydney. So this is a big, big weekend for Brisbane. The other must-watch game coming up, Baz, is West Coast and Port Adelaide, and that should be absolutely delicious. It's Saturday. West Coast and Port Adelaide are evens, $1.95 each at Optus Stadium. Now, you've said this already, Baz. Is there too much excitement about Port given the teams that they've beaten so far this year? What's been Port's biggest weakness the last few, or probably the month more last year when they were winning, but is, is big key forwards and not having the defensive uh, players to play on those big tools. And I know they went and got O'Leary earlier, but he's not really one to go body to body or be able to match up on a Darling or an Allen. And Allen could be a big out. I know he hurt his shoulder. But even a Darling and a Kennedy, and I think they've got plenty of replacements up, up forward. Do West Coast get any players back? I, I don't, I'm not sure there. And I know it's only Tuesday. Um, but I, I reckon Port of probably, they'd want to win this game. They've, they've had two easy beats. I reckon he and Clear will be getting them up. You know, finally play some good opposition to really test themselves away as well. Uh, I'm I'm probably going to tip Port here. I wouldn't be surprised. Again, it's a bit like Connor. I know probably sitting on the fence a little bit, but wouldn't be surprised if West Coast win because it's in Perth and it's what they do. But I'm, I'm tipping Port just to have too much run, too much hardness, and their four lines are so good. And uh, if they can, if they can have smart ball use going inside 50 and keep it away from their intercept markers in, in McGovern. Um, I think that'll be a long, 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 long way forward uh, or ahead of winning this game. Do you trust Port around the stoppages and around the clearances? Because that was their get out of jail free card West Coast against Doggies. It was basically the Nick Nat and Tim Kelly seance show. They just knew exactly where each other would be and then basically tap, tap, inside 50. You can set up around stoppages for that though. And I'm, I'm 100% sure Ken Hankley's been going through his midfield about this and yeah if you set up smartly around stoppages you can somehow you can definitely um stifle that effect especially not not so much center bounce center bounce you probably you, you, you've cooked a bit but around the ground I think you can definitely set up for that and I think that I think um Western Bulldogs did that okay against the Eagles it was mainly the center bounce look I think um Nick Nat and Kelly, was it? Had like t- something like 27 or something clearances between them, which was just un- unheard of. I think, and I think Nick Nat had uh, more hit outs to advantage than uh, in, a, in, a, in the game than Ruckman have all season. So mm, he had eight in one quarter. Yeah. Like it's just, yeah, it was more, yeah, more in one quarter than the game or something like that. Yeah. So yeah, mm. it's un- unbelievable. And he's going to be a big, you know, the big difference really, but I reckon around the ball, um, Port will probably send up a couple extra midfielders to help you know, defensively. And then they'll look to spread from stoppages when they, if they win the footy. And if not, then that's where West Coast will definitely have an upper hand. But I just think the bigger ground, uh, the ground ball sort of stuff that we know a lot about West Coast with that. But yeah, the, and they're small forwards. They're just so dangerous, Orazio and uh, a few others. So, um, you know, you've got Butters just dominating the midfield. You've got Dersmo, all those boys running around. But yeah, I just, yeah, I, I just really reckon that Port win this. And Port could be one of the teams this year that just, at the moment, I reckon they're flying under the radar a bit. I, I don't reckon people are talking about them as much. They're still talking about Richmond and talking about other things in football. I reckon Port have gone a bit unnoticed. And I reckon people would take a fair bit of notice if they knock off West Coast this week. And I think this could be one of the games if you're a, Port Adelaide assistant coach or Kenny Hinckley that you saw, that you circle and say, no one believes in us because last year we had the cushy ride. We got to play a home funnel. We had a lot of the games in Adelaide due to COVID. We got fans early and everyone else. la da da So now everyone just thinks that we can only do it when it's easy. Let's go and do it when, it when we're away. And the same with Brisbane. Like Brisbane got the cushiest ride. And then again, 
to this weekend at COVID protocols and at Marvel, you circle that one as well. So I think they're the two teams that have a point to prove and might play into that from a coaching perspective. And then your fence sitting for once is justified because um, the last seven matches between these two sides have been decided by less than 15 points. So want to do a cheeky try bet. That's $2.50 on uh, your betting services. I'm going with Port as well. West Coast busted up a tough game against the Doggies and flying back home and being a couple of players short might be the difference there. And the last must-watch game in inverted commas, Baz, will be Easter Monday. I don't know if it's actually a must-watch, but there'll be no other footy on and, you know, there wasn't a lot of great games this weekend. So probably having watched this one on a Monday afternoon. Any chance that uh, Hawthorne can... Can I do a number on the cats just for a, just for the lols, really? Yeah, I reckon. I, I said before, I think leg speed is, and especially if you're if you're quick and you're hard at contest and you can win enough of your own footy, especially across half back, which Hawthorne have been doing. I reckon Geelong are gonna find it really, really tough to defend that. But they don't have a lot of great leg speed. Um, they don't really defend that well one one, uh, and Hawthorne's ball use has always been really, really good, and, really, and it's been it's very, very slick so far. I mean, they they even showed like they weren't good enough against Richmond because Richmond, Richmond, but they still showed enough to say, hang on a minute, they're on the on the right, right path. If they can do what Adelaide did and brought that contest, bring that heat, and then slice them open a bit like what Adelaide did, and what Brisbane did uh, in the second half where they kept the ball in movement, and they got enough quick young fellows around as well, and like I said, enough good ball users, they could cause an upset here, and they could possibly pushed along all the way. And again, you know, I think they, I just think that Geelong aren't, aren't really that good. And I know they've got, you know, Isaac Smith and Higgins and you know, Cameron's obviously out injured, but they rely too heavily on their older older players to get the job done. Like it was Tui and Stewart and uh, Blitzars and Selwood. Like it's just a regular, I know Constable had a good game, but like name and Henderson was good again. Like it's just, it's always the same older blokes who they're relying on. And like I said, I think on the bigger grounds where it's not narrow, not narrow like it is at Cardinia, that we can see what Adelaide did to them. I think that'll be the blueprint for other teams. Just put keep pace on the ball, keep the ball in movement, don't let them set up on the ball, and just outdoor them for leg speed. So that's all well and good. Uh, Hawthorne good enough with the football to hit up targets inside fifty though, because on the weekend against Richmond they gave up. You know, eight marks to Grimes. They have six to Asprey, Short and Broad and five to Bolter and Pickett. So you've got, what, 18, 24, 50-odd intercept marks in defence going inside 50 there? I, I think I think Richmond and Geelong are, are poles apart defensively. <laughs> Richmond are way, way better than Geelong defensively. There you go. So you reckon that's more on Richmond than it is on Hawthorne's ball use? Yep. I reckon that's more on Richmond's positioning and, and and pressure up the field than what it would be with Hawthorne's ball use. And I mean, ball use under pressure by the younger blokes, the horse going to turn over, they're not as experienced, but I don't reckon they would face that much pressure from a Geelong team if the ball's out in the open. They'd, they'd find space and be able to use it better. A bit like they did against Essendon in that second half. I, I'm, don't get me wrong, I'm going to tip, tip Geelong. Yep. Because they should be winning this game. But I'll tell you what, I'll be looking at a line a bit later and if it's 20 or 30 points, then I'll probably be having a crack at Hawthorne at a line. It's like you've read the run sheet, Baz. Uh, Geelong have failed to cover the line in their last four matches. So the finals, first plus round one and round two, the line here is 22 and a half. Oh, it's very tempting, isn't it? It's a pretty tempting. I reckon that might get wound in as the uh, fast footy results flow in over the Easter weekend. I reckon it'll be unders as well. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, we're in agreeance there. Tips along, but have a little cheeky dip at the line. Upset alerts, Baz. We said last week that the odds were wrong. We were probably wrong. I've got a few more this week that I think are wrong. We might be wrong again. Who knows? But Saturday afternoon, Essendon owned $3.80 outsiders against St Kilda. St Kilda, Baz. I'm angry about St Kilda early this year. They could be my new Melbourne. We'll find out. $1.27. 22 and a half point liner at Marvel Stadium. Can Essendon pinch one here, Bats? No, nah, this will be a flogging. Uh, that, that line's very generous. Essendon are no good. They've got a few injuries. They're going to have another couple of debutantes. Uh, just right off Essendon this year, they might get three wins if they're lucky. 
St Kilda win and uh, we'll make up for last week with a convincing win as well. That's I, I, I can't believe I, I thought this game would have been down the bottom somewhere in North Melbourne. I just don't trust St Kilda now. I thought well, they should. Yeah. Did they turn up? Did they turn up last week? Absolutely not. You're off your chops, mate. <laughs> I just can't trust him now. I just can't you, trust him. You think Essendon any chance against St Kilda? You need, mate. Come on. I don't think they will. I'm just saying there's a more possibility than not after last week's performance. St Kilda are going to flog him. I think Marshall's playing a half this week, and I think uh, Rat said, and he'll be back for probably next round. And yeah, they're too strong for Essendon. Essendon are going to be. Essendon could finish bottom this year. There's a lot of teams that could finish bottom this year. Essendon, Carlton, no, North Melbourne. No, North and Essendon are by far the two worst sides in the comp. Yeah. By far. And it's only getting worse for Essendon because they've got so many injuries. Mm. Indeed. Well, they lost, there you go. They lost their, they've lost their Ruckman and Shield this week. So they lost Caldwell as well. They gave up a bit for. So that's three that's three players that automatic selections in this team out and they've already got a few injuries and a few they're already playing a few kids a few more kids come in hopefully it means Archie Perkins gets a game you are old Brighton Brighton Grammarian boy and uh, he can show his uh, skill set but it still won't be enough for them to win yeah I agree with you but I just hope the Saints turn up and don't get egg on their face in a year that they're meant to you know try and push for the four Moving on to Sunday afternoon, and it's Carlton who are a dollar thirty favourites against Fremantle. Three dollar oh nine outsiders. The line here is also twenty two and a half, and they're playing at the MCG. What I don't understand, Baz, is that Fremantle won with all of their outs, and now they're missing five, which they did for that game against the Giants. Carlton played like utter trash against a Collingwood side that can't kick points. How is Carlton a dollar thirty favourite? I think just because of the fact that Fife's out. That's the only thing I think of because you go over on form and Freo probably should be starting favourite. I bet it was in Perth, Fremantle will start favourite. Mm. Carlton have a few injury problems and, and obviously Crips as well. So I, I'm I'm leaning towards tipping Fremantle here. Um, probably will. And then Carlton will come out and win by 10 goals. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you, you just can't tell which Fremantle's going to rock up. From Fremantle round one and Fremantle last week were two completely different sides. Yeah, but you, you you know which Carlton will rock up. The one that's letting in an on average 65 inside 50s a week. Yeah, but I, I think they I think they got Tabernacle pretty well covered. Do, do you reckon Carlton, so Carlton will be expected favourites, expected to win. I reckon they, they struggle with the expectation a bit. I think they've got a bit of Melbourne about them. They get the expectation that they're going to win and they get a bit ahead of themselves, a bit ordinary. I'm going to tip Fremantle here. I reckon Fremantle, if they can play like they did last Sunday and bring that ball movement, bring that midfield group to dominate um, with their two Ruckman, with their, yeah, two Ruckman and Tabernacle, and then hopefully they get the job done. Grundy was unreal, and if Grundy backs that up, then he, he, he's probably pulling right for the Brownlow right at the moment for Grundy, uh, uh, Monday. Sorry. Mm. After two rounds, the old fella's not looking too shabby at all. So far this season, everyone says that the Dockers can't score. They've kicked 19-31. So do the math there, Baz. That's 50 scoring shots in two games. 25 scoring shots a game wins you most games. If that just gets back to 50%, they win this game easy. So it's not that they can't score. It's they haven't kicked straight in the first two weeks. I'm definitely... Oh, I've already bought into Fremantle, and that means I'm tipping them. I'm going to buy into them. I'm going to bet on them against the Blues, who are playing really sad football at the moment. And the Sunday Twilight game is another upset alert, Baz. The Giants, $2.36 home dogs against Melbourne. The rejuvenated Melbourne, the top four-bound Melbourne, the grand final aspirants Melbourne, $1.59 favourites. They're playing at Manuka Oval, and the line here is eight and a half, Baz. And can the Giants prove a point here and put egg on the face of the Fox footy bandwagoners that are campaigning hard to say that Melbourne is legit again? I love how they're back on the the, the, the Melbourne bandwagon, the boys. And they obviously don't watch the games because those both those games have been trash football games. Clayton Oliver all of a sudden's ground my favourite again and all this sort of stuff. Do you know what I literally hate about Melbourne? And it's why... I don't think they'll win anything. They've got young players that are very, very talented 
Cosy Pickett for one. Like he's unreal to watch. He had a great game too. Credit where credit's due. He had a great game. Yeah, I love watching Liam Ryan and Cosy Pierce probably one of the other players I love watching it until he plays Collingwood. But he did some amazing stuff and, you know, did some stuff in that first quarter and second quarter when they weren't, you know, going that flush that kept him in the game. And he was getting berated by players. Jordan was the same. And like, and it was all senior players. Yet when someone like Gorn or Batraka or someone does it, there's no berating. Yeah. So... No wonder There's a hierarchy they... and free passes and all sorts going on in the club. And then, so now they're ex- this week is the, the biggest test for Melbourne because they're expected to win. They're, they're By the plenty. They're the top dogs going into this game. Now, we know what happens in Melbourne when this happens. Mm-hmm. They fall, they've been drinking their bath water all week. They rock up to the game, think they're all eating a bit, chests out, and then they fall over and get beaten. However... From what I've seen of JWS the first two weeks, there is no way in hell I'm tipping JWS. So as as much as this hurts, and, and I'm I'm getting a bit teary because I'm, I'm actually in a lot of pain by doing this, I'm tipping Melbourne. We've been here before, Baz. I know. We've been here. We've been, we've been here been many a time. We've been doing this for five years. We've been doing this for five years, and we've been here a lot of times. I mean, I still haven't learned that I should be tipping JWS, but I'm tipping Melbourne. Because they need to rock up and do this job, and if they don't, then oh, I can't wait for next week. I'm gonna. I know I sold them last week in round one after I had a win, uh, but I'll, I'll be selling them again if they if they don't win this week. We we might need to change the uh, parental rating of this podcast for me asking this question. But are you a sadomasochist, base? I don't even know what that means, mate. That means that's do you get do you get enjoyment or pleasure from pain? Oh yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. That's why you're tipping Melbourne. Because yeah, you know what's going to happen here. You know what's going to happen here. That's why I follow Collingwood. That's why I follow, yeah. you know, teams like Everton and, and up until this year, Tampa Bay. It's it, I, I love pain. I love watching my team promise so much and delivers very little. So, but Melbourne's not one of my teams, so it's all right. I'm just going to tip him. I'm not going to touch the game from a pain perspective, but I'm just going to tip him. Definitely no betting angles in this one. These are two very untrustworthy teams at the moment, but we know better than to drink the Melbourne bathwater. We do not podcast of fox footy we're not related to fox footy we're not employed by fox footy and therefore we have no reason to pretend that melbourne will do anything this year because they won't tip the giants ignore baz on that note we have some tip and forget games because apparently on good friday you play bad football it starts friday afternoon north melbourne are eight dollar fifty outsiders in round two if you could relegate them They'd be down in relegation right now. The Doggies are $1.07 favourites. The line here is 42 and a half. They're playing at Marvel Stadium. And if anyone turns up, I feel sorry for you because it's going to be a bad game of football. Yeah, I'm just not even going to talk about it. Doggies by who cares? No one's watching. I probably won't even want... I'll, I'll be that bored, but I still won't. I'd rather bet... I think Singapore races are... I'll, I'll probably do something there. Or go visit your family. Like, that's an option as well. Oh, yeah, that is, yeah, I suppose. And uh, Friday the night game, not much better. Adelaide two dollar oh four home dogs versus the uh, the Suns a dollar eighty one favourites at Adelaide Oval. Everyone's buying into Adelaide, you know. Win round one, they got the cat snapping, a courageous effort. Although they got smashed against Sydney last week, surely the same thing happens. Tex might kick a bag. They might have some young guns do some nice things, but surely now the Suns are good enough to beat Adelaide away. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm definitely going to be uh, backing the Suns here and tipping the Suns. So they're going all right. The Suns get on them, and they will win here. Win, com- oh, I shouldn't say that, should I? But they, they'll win comfortably. They'll win comfortably. I'm not saying going to smash them by 40 points. We're going to say they're going to win by you know two, three, four goals. This is a game that for their for their for them to make finals this year, this is a game they need to win, and I think they will. Hmm. And it's a game that kind of proves that yeah, they're more than just Matt Rowe. Like they have a lot of young players that are very, very good. So they were pretty good. They were pretty good earlier last week. I know they're only playing North, but they were pretty good. Exactly. And you know, they're only playing Adelaide this week. So it's not that much different. Is it a step up in class? Maybe a half class. You've gone from a Wednesday meet to a Thursday meet. I don't even know if that analogy even checks out. We'll move swiftly on to the last game of the week. 
which is Richmond and Sydney at the MCG. Richmond are $1.26 favourites. Sydney, $3.90 outsiders. The line here, 23 and a half. Richmond have been blessed with a very easy start to the season, haven't they? Yeah, I think Sydney will go right. I reckon they'll, they'll push them most of the way. I think they're, they're better than Hawthorne. Richmond need to bring their A game, definitely. And it's it's pretty exciting watching Sydney play. They've got some really good young talent. Having Buddy back is amazing. One of my favourite footballers of all time, Buddy, and seeing him back kicking goals. It'll be a good game to watch. I'm looking forward to watching this game on Saturday. I'm going to sit down and uh, watch it. And, yeah, just hopefully it's a good game because people have been talking it up. And generally when that happens, it's not as a good spectacle as you'd hope. So hopefully it does live up to the hype. But I'm looking forward to watching the Sydney Young Guns and especially off half back in their forward line. Logan McDonald, I wish he went to Collingwood, but unfortunately we didn't have a pick that high. So... He's a mere gun, that kid. Mm. It's kind of a game without any consequences. Like, it's an absolute free swing for the Swans. And for the Tigers, they kind of know if they play anywhere near their best, they'll they'll probably win. So it's kind of a weird one where the, the result could be, you know, between 20 and 40 points and everyone walks away happy. So, you know, maybe that's a nice jovial sensation to have on the Easter weekend, you know. Everyone just walks away with a little gift. Young yeah. Guns did well. Richmond's with 3-0. and How good. A little chocolate Easter egg. Yeah, a little Easter egg for everyone on the way out. Speaking of Easter eggs, Bats, it's time to uh, give out some tasty tips, something to uh, help you pay off those Easter eggs uh, for the weekend. It's the Greenback Boogie for round three. You got a hundred bucks to spend, Baz. How are you spending your Greenback this weekend? Well, I'm going back to my one winner last week, which nearly got me back to even. So I had uh, two, you know, 20 bucks on Isaac Rankin to kick three or more goals, um, which he was paying around the $4, I believe, Mark, I think, off the top of my head. It may have been $3.50, something like that, but nearly got me back to even. So he got some spending money anyway. I'm following that up again this week. He's paying $4. So I'm going to put 20 units on him. Uh, I'm putting 40 units on Gold Coast at the line, $1.90. I think that's just... Too good to knock back. And then I'm going to put, uh, that leaves me with 40 units again. And I'm having a multi here with Gold Coast at the line into Richmond head-to-head, into St Kilda head-to-head, into Fremantle at plus 15 and a half, which is $1.90. Uh, and that gives you $6.45. Beautiful stuff there from you, Baz. Don't as well just rename this podcast the Purple Haze because I've bought all into Fremantle this week. So Fremantle covered the 15 and a half against Carlton is paying $1.90. I'm doing three units on that. I've got Brisbane to win head-to-head against the Pies on Thursday night at 2.05. I've got three units on that. Then into the more value sections, Fremantle to win head-to-head against Carlton. I've got two units on that at $3. And then my roughies, Brisbane, Gold Coast, and Fremantle at the lines paying $6.85 for one unit. And the same Brisbane, Gold Coast, Fremantle head-to-head is paying $10.27 for, for one unit. So all in those dockers for me this week. We're, we're either going to be very uh, rich or very poor this week. Well, that's always about gambling responsibly and uh, <laughs> just having just having fun with it, Baz. It's all about. That's, no, why we, so that's why we're talking units and not in dollars, you know? It could be I one cent. Plenty, we could be one cent, who knows? Uh, we've got plenty of 40-second rice and uh, two-minute noodles in the fridge. That'll be right. Absolutely, and uh, I've made sure I've done all the shopping as well. So plenty of Easter eggs and a nice and a nice uh, big roast chicken for the for the Sunday feast. Lovely pleasure as always, Baz. Uh, anything you're up to this weekend other than punting, watching footy, and uh, probably coaching? Um, yeah, a bit of footy Thursday night, but then no footy again for Tuesday. Uh, just gonna chill out all weekend. Nice weekend. Might go for a run or two. Um, start my marathon preparation. Beautiful. You and me both, mate. You and me both. And I'm off to uh, the sunny sail. Might watch some local footy. Might even have a kick. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows?